Landline. Hello? Meg, can you hear me? Yeah. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Welcome back, Landline listeners, to another episode. I'm your host, Alex McKay. Today's show, I've got Meg on the line. We are talking about her eight and three-quarter month pregnancy. Everything happens in weeks when you're pregnant. That's what we learned today. We talk about how you get pregnant, what happens when you are pregnant, what having a baby is going to be like. I mean, who doesn't want to hear this stuff? We talk about being circumcised, or in my case, not being circumcised. Really, this is like a greatest hits of the things that you've been hoping this podcast would discuss, and that's why you've been listening. Speaking of listening, tell a friend about the show, Mouth to Mouth Resuscitation. The fanship is steadily building, and we thank you for that. Check out the show at talkforaliving.com, on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash podcast, and on iTunes. Saul and I will be back soon with another show. I got another show lined up with Giles the Bartender, a little cocktail hour. Maybe it's time to drink an entire bottle of wine with Tim for a little two guys, one cup. And more female voices. Who doesn't like that? It's time for my wife and I to go out to see another movie and tell you about it. So here it is, Meg the Preg on Landline. How many weeks pregnant are you, right, as we speak? Uh, 37 weeks and 6 days. So I just was doing some math waiting for you to call, and if you do 9 times 4, it's only 36 weeks. So it, it really isn't 9 months that somebody is pregnant. It's a big lie, I know. Is it 10 it months? Um, it's all very confusing to me still. I think that... It's actually, they count the weeks starting from the first day of your last period. Sorry to use that word on radio, but... No, I'm excited to get into some areas that I don't usually speak <laughs> about. So let, let's talk about it. Let's just open up the vagina talk right here and now, because okay. I'm sure we're going to have a lot of it. You can't have a pregnancy even conversation without at least dabbling a little bit in yeah. territory. Hopefully so. a lot. So I think we should just start at the beginning is there's that whole concept of like we're trying to get pregnant, you know, like whether it's the the scene in the movie or like a dinner with friends and they're like, oh, so and so are trying to get pregnant. And yeah, like from even from like a relatively enlightened uh, married male's perspective, trying to get pregnant just means like (laughs) you're having sex without a condom um, and just expecting to get pregnant. But like. Once you, and I know that we can get in all the nitty and gritty of that, but really what I'm interested in is like, so you're trying to get pregnant, but like trying to do something and succeeding when it's like, we're trying to go to that restaurant and then trying to get pregnant. And then all of a sudden having a human being growing inside of you are like two totally different things. So what's that feeling when you're. One is much easier than the other. And which is it? Uh, going to the restaurant. Okay, so that's another you make a reservation. Right, that's you know, true. If the restaurant burns down. You're you're gonna go. That's true. 
So, like, what is it once you are trying to get pregnant? Did you try to get pregnant? Like, did you guys talk about it? I hate that phrase. <laughs> Do you think I've said it enough? <laughs> Can you say it a couple more times? It's just, whenever anyone says it, I just flash to them having sex in my mind. Me and too. I don't necessarily need to know that or picture that. But I understand. I just wish there was another way people said it. Like... We're ready Yep. for when it happens, or we've opened the gates, or we've pulled the goalie, or, or some, some kind of, like, general phrase that everyone is like, oh, got it. Like, or even, yeah. even like, saying we're getting our bodies in shape to have, to have a baby, you know? Because <laughs> you think about that, too, like... It's like you probably don't want to be partying a lot if you're if you're about to have if you're about to try to conceive and you probably like I don't know want to like have the house clean or like make sure the fridge is stocked or whatever but it's not sure it's 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 like almost it's I guess a mental and a physical thing like I know that um that's one of the things that Anna and I talk about not in terms of us trying to get pregnant but the idea that it would be awesome to be in good shape or like feel good about your body when you are pregnant just cuz then Absolutely. You're cre- yeah, and I I try to do that too. I think that that's it's kind of a I mean, if you have kind of a timeline in your head, there's a few things that you probably want to do before you kind of dive in for it because it's something that could happen that day or you know two years from now or five years from now so it's like you want to be ready but you don't want to be too ready but it it does start I mean I did want to be in good shape and like in a good apartment where I could at least you know put the baby in like a corner right you know there's like a few things you have to kind of set up before you kind of delve into the the trying period. So then do you just wait to see if you don't get your period or do you like start taking pregnancy tests? So I I tried to get in good shape and then I tried to like get my hormones kind of in balance and then I switched to like all natural stuff like products. Right. Just because I thought it couldn't hurt. And then, and then it just kind of happened. Right. And then, you know, and then all of a sudden you're pregnant. It's, it's kind of a crazy thing. And then you got to start telling people, right? So, I mean, I was, another thing I was thinking about is, so I'm one of those people who loves attention. You know that probably better than most. But, uh-huh. but I love to be like the peanut gallery guy. Like I love to be sort of the, the, the commenter from the side versus the guy yeah. necessarily like with a spotlight on him on stage. That brings me a pretty a lot of anxiety. So when you walk into a room and you've gotten a haircut or you like have a cast on your arm or everyone knows you just got an award, it's actually sort of <laughs> annoying for me to like have everyone talk to me about it. But when you're pregnant, yeah. it's like literally your entire life turns into that. So... What is it? Yeah. Were, you, were you cool with that? And what did it feel like to know that you were going to have to have that conversation with not only people that you were really excited to share it with, but like other people too, as time went on? Um, I felt mostly panic at first, just about the whole thing. Just, just because your, your world is just totally turned upside down. And I, I think the first night that we found out, you know, Gabe took the dog for a walk and I peed on a stick not thinking it was going to be anything, but 
I hadn't even, I wasn't even late yet, I don't think. I was just really uh, <laughs> controlling or like over anxious or I think I stood up and I felt dizzy and I was like, oh my God, I was I'm pregnant. So it was like one to two weeks, it was like nothing. And he went for a walk and then he came back and I was like sitting on the bath, the side of the tub and I just, I think I blacked out. Like, I was just totally panicked. Mm. Um, and then I said, you know, <laughs> I don't get you read these articles about, you know, cute ways to tell your husband or boyfriend or baby daddy that you're going to have a baby. And, like, there's, like, these crafts involved and you, like, glue paper together and, like, put a bun in the oven and, like, have him look in the oven somehow and I don't know how anyone has any time for that because I just I mean he went for a walk <laughs> came back and I just blurted it out and then and, and and then what like and then he poured himself a drink <laughs> and then we kind of just were like okay well tonight only we know this and that's kind of cool just to like only know it before you tell anybody you know just for like one night just to like have that i um, now the only comparison i have is of course getting married i would say yeah um and we went the way we did it is like we went on a hike and we're supposed to sleep but well we did we camped that night on like a you know at a, at a like a hut platform and and we were, so we were away from people we knew we ended up telling this appalachian trail through hiker whose name was like tuna fish can or something i forget <laughs> Anna will have to tell me and, and you know you just tell whoever you run into and that's great right but, but it is it's like that fun suspension of the time space continuum when everyone in your life doesn't know and you do and you're like ahead yeah. of time and it's it's totally. cool um yeah. it just makes me think and I'll, and i want to of course get back to all this but so there i want to know your opinion on this thing so this weekend, I didn't go because we went home for Easter, but a, a business school friend of mine who's a Mexican guy, great guy, um, and he's had a lot of um, work sort of in a similar world as you work in. And he's been, like, involved in, like, super high-end boutique hotels, both in Mexico mm -hmm. and Miami. Mm -hmm. And he's sort of a front-of-house guy and a slick talker and, like, great English, great Spanish. He probably speaks Italian, too. Anyways, he threw a tent party in his backyard and invited all of his business school friends and proposed to his girlfriend in front of everyone. Whoa. Um, and like, I guess it was preceded by like a big video montage that he put together and like showed on a, on a screen. And I mean, in, in a way it's cool. I wish I had the ability to like celebrate things like that and think it was normal. But, yeah. but on the other hand, I mean, of course she was going to say, yes, he's a smart enough guy that he would have never asked her. as she said, no, but what, one of the only moments on earth, especially now with social media, where you can't, where you can keep things to yourself and he kind of just like let everyone know, like, I don't know, did you like that moment when you discovered that you were pregnant and no one else knew or did you want to tell everyone immediately? I wanted to tell Gabe immediately. Right, of course. Because I, I was panicked. And then after that happened, I was like, okay, I'm good. Like, it's, you know you and me and let's just like you know sit in this moment and kind of take it in because it's never going to be like this ever again it's pretty amazing um, yeah 
Yeah. And even now, I mean, I hate to jump ahead, but, you know, of course, we're excited and anxious and ready, very ready, but it's never going to be like this again. So you don't want to rush, you know, the next two weeks or a week or day or however long it's going to be because he's going to come whenever he's ready. And that's hard to accept that you can't plan that, but you got to kind of just be like, okay, well, this is the last time it's just us, which is kind of special. Feels like the best parts of life are the ones that are out of your control, and that's kind of one of the most unique things that we've got going for us. Yeah. Yeah, and that's okay. You know, I think as Americans, or I don't know if it's Americans or just people nowadays, they just really feel they need to control everything. And, and it's kind of, it's, you know, jarring and discerning and not always pleasant when you can't, but you just have to kind of lay back and be like, this is how it's supposed to be. I was just thinking this afternoon how I was driving home stressed and in my perfect world, I would actually just podcast for a living. I would like wake up in a beautiful farmhouse and like check my diverse stock portfolio that was doing great and then like brew myself a delicious French press and exercise and then do like a great two hour podcast that somehow was profound in its, you know, explanation of the world's mysteries and also made me money. So but in reality, I have a million other things going on in the world, and this is like the last thing I do. And so I was driving home today, and I was sort of dreading doing this with you. But then I started thinking about it, and I was like, well, you're always supposed to be like super calm and positive around pregnant women and create like a space where they feel comfortable, but also where they're making you feel comfortable. And I think your last little anecdote is a great indication of, of – the, the sobriety and, like, clarity that pregnancy brings. So cheers to that. Oh, cheers to that. Um, so, okay, so then you have, like, three months or so. Like, how long does it take until you can show, like, until you're showing? Another word I hate. Another phrase I hate. <laughs> showing, yeah. Um, so I think it was about 14 weeks. I mean, I know it's. It's weird to do everything in weeks, but everything is a week when you're pregnant. So it's so that's what that's three months over three months. So three it's and a half months. so it's kind of like having like a a hidden <laughs> a hidden weapon like holstered beneath your trench coat. Like you can pull it out when you want to, but you don't necessarily need to unless like the situation calls for it. So when did you find yourself? like using your pregnancy before it was clear or did you, or did you like to keep it like hidden? Like, were you going stealth about it? Like, what do you do in those situations in general before people know when you like, do you you use it to like, you know, get a good parking space or like, how does that all work out? Um, I wish they might actually have this now, like, like a handicap, uh, thing for your car, but a pregnant one. I feel like I saw that recently. Well, if they don't, they should. Not that I'm driving around a lot here anyways, but I, I think the first thing, of course, that comes to my mind when you ask that is Subway. Mm. Um, Let's talk about it. Like, like, tell, like, give us the whole, it doesn't have to be time sensitive to that period of your pregnancy. Like, I've heard tales of the Subway as a pregnant woman in New York, and I'd love to hear yours. Yeah. I'd love to hear yours, too. Um, it was hard for me because I was 
I was pregnant in like the dead of winter and I, I still like I wore a coat today because this morning I woke up and it was chilly before it got warm. So I don't I haven't gotten a lot of seeds, but I don't think that it's because people, you know, are malicious or don't care. I think that they just really are focused on their phones and getting a seat and getting to work and, and getting home from work and um, I don't think it comes from a bad place necessarily. I just don't think that they could really see it, the bump. Well, you've always had a sweet outlook on life. My uh, Another friend of ours, Abby, who also lives in New York, she lives in, oh, yeah. in Brooklyn, and she's had her baby, Alma, a baby girl, beautiful, very well behaved oh. when I came over for dinner. <laughs> she actually, because she's way more critical and judgmental than you, and 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 way more aligned with my personality in that way. She like made a list of the ethnicities and sexes of all the people who like, and how they reacted. So it was like by far and away, black women were the most giving of anyone on the subway. Like any, like, you know, whether it was a West Indian woman, Jamaican woman, whatever, like any black woman on the subway would immediately get up for her when she went. And then she went down the line but white young white males were the last i agree i it's funny that you're saying this i wasn't going to get into the the whole racism part of it but uh i don't know maybe it's a culture thing but it, it was really primarily um yeah i would say black men too are just wonderful i mean they shoot right up when they see me mm. um and I don't, you know, again, it's, is my coat buttoned? Is it unbuttoned? I, I don't know, but I, I don't, I don't think it comes from a bad place necessarily. And if I, if I do really want to see, like I've raced a few ladies to see and they've beaten me and then I've just kind of stood in front of them, like belly and face. And, and then they're like, oh, oh my gosh, like, please sit down. Right. Um, so, you know, that makes me really just like, oh, you know, they didn't, it wasn't a malicious thing at all. Um, or when he's eating something. Okay, it's a stick. Um, but, yeah, and then sometimes someone will kind of cut me off and get their butt down in the seat. You know, very, it's very athletic. It's like a sport here, basically. It's just like getting your butt in that seat as fast as possible. And they'll beat me, and I'll just I'll put my belly in their face, and they'll, you know, see it clearly and just still not care. So then I like to do, like, deep breaths and, like, moans and, like, kind of clutch my stomach a little bit <laughs> just to, you know, mess with them. <laughs> well, it's like, it's kind of like, hey, hey, white male, <laughs> you you went to high school, and you're white and male. You probably went to college. And all you learned about was all the awful things white males have done over the history of time. Like, get with a program here. This is like one small thing we can do to start to repair our image in the view of everyone else on Earth. And instead, it's just like taking it even further. But maybe we can correlate it directly to their use of like high technology phones, too. I don't Probably. know. Probably. They're just really zoned in on the phone, I think, is what it is. All right, so you become pregnant, you're pregnant, you're growing a baby inside of you, and, like, let's talk about some of the, the, I I emailed you a list of, like, you know, the basics, like, 
can you give us just a reflection as you come to the end of your pregnancy on what some of the major, you know, things that everyone always asks? What are your cravings? Like, what was your, like, worst mood swing? Like, what was, like, the worst moment or best moment you had? And, like, what are some embarrassing or funny things that happened? And also, I would love to, maybe this is too much to ask on one question, but, well, it is. Let, let me answer that, and then I'll ask my next question. Okay. <laughs> uh, that was a lot, Alex. Well, just in general, like, fit yourself into the stereotype and tell us a couple of anecdotes. Like, is it true? Or were you moody? Like, did you ever yell at anyone? Or is that, like, a bunch of bullshit? I think I, I yelled at Gabe once. Um, and it was because he took the phone charger out of the car. Or I thought he did. And I was driving from my doctor's appointment, which had gone well, so I was happy about that. But he was out of town. It was one of the couple that he missed. So I was driving, and it's way up on, like, 168th and Broadway, <coughs> like, right by the George Washington Bridge. Okay. And I had, like, 10% on my phone. And I'd been there for, like, three hours. And so I'm pulling out, and I have my, like, Wendy's spicy chicken sandwich in hand, of course. There's a Wendy's across the street um, and fries for dessert. And I, I find myself going over the, the George Washington Bridge because I'm not the best driver in the city. Um, and my phone is dying. And I think at this point I have, like, 2% left. So I used it to call him and yell at him until my phone died. And I couldn't, I just didn't know how to get back to Brooklyn, and my phone was dead, and I didn't have a charger, like a car charger. So I, I think I, like, pulled over in Jersey to, like, a Best Western, and, like, borrowed someone's phone charger who was, like, staying there. And then just, like cried in the lobby and like charged my phone to 25% and then drove back to Brooklyn. And then when I got here, I found the the phone charger in the car. It was on the floor, which is where he said it was. But, you know, why would you put something on the floor? I don't know. It should have been right in the cigarette lighter where you could use it conveniently. And I think I, he said later, he was like, you screamed at me to never take this thingy out of the hole. I just, I kept, I guess I kept screaming that until it went dead. Well, that was nice of the um, people in New Jersey to help you at the Best Western. I guess we, yeah. I guess New Jersey isn't all bad. No, so that that was a plus. They probably saw this, you know, sobbing mess of a pregnant lady and wanted to help. Well, and I think it's always about it's always about how can we get this pregnant lady out of here, right? Yeah, yeah. Before it's, she gets crazier, or before she has the baby. Or before she has the baby. That's yeah. like that's sort of the like nine oh two one oh version that I remember from from being a kid is always watching those shows and having somebody have the baby in the elevator. It's it's kind of branded in our brain from a culture cultural standpoint. Like it's a hot potato. A pregnant lady is a hot potato. Like just get her through her business and then move her on, yeah. on to the next step. When in reality, if if done safely, how cool would it be? I mean, maybe you don't feel this way right now, but it would be really cool to be witness to a birth not at the hospital if it all went smoothly <laughs> it's funny that you're saying this because so i'm still working 
next week is my last week. Wow. Because people see me and, and literally back up, like, like back up because they're like, I'm some sort of ticking time bomb now. Um, and they'll be like, Oh, what are you, what do you do? And you could just tell there's like fear in their eyes. And I like to be like, Oh, next week. I'm like, Oh, wow. Okay. Well, we'll make this quick. <laughs> well, you're a very, you're a very accomplished event planner on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. So, um, what is that? What are those interactions like at work? Like, are you still meeting with clients and showing them yeah. the space? Yeah, usually that's that's their reaction. Is is all kind of waddle down and then I'll kind of waddle across the ballroom floor towards them and, and they're like, oh, Megan. <laughs> And if someone came in and didn't ask you anything about your pregnancy, would that offend you? No. I think that some people don't really know how to deal with the situation, so their way of dealing with it is just to kind of ignore it. Because that's happened a few times, too. And, and if that's what they're comfortable with, I'm, I'm fine with it, too. And, you know, there's kind of a weird phase before you have a belly where it's kind of like, you know, maybe she just had a big lunch. <laughs> You don't want to be like, congratulations, what did you do? You're like, oh, I, I had, you know, three slices of pizza today. I was really hungry for some reason. Well, that is the great fear of, I think, many men, especially sure. white, white men on the subway, right? Is yeah. And I, and I yeah. know... I know my dad has done it, um, and I learned. I, I've heard him tell that story enough at the dinner table that I've like it's been branded in my brain as the number one thing to avoid. But calling a, a fat person pregnant is like is a no go. So sure, do you? Yeah, can you imagine like you know offering your seat to someone and then having them be like, uh, no, like. And just super offended that that would be horrible. So you know, maybe they're just they don't want to offend anyone either. Well, what you, that. you what you'd have to do is just like start an entire campaign of just letting fat people sit down on the subway to cover your own ass. You'd have to you'd have to pretend like that's what you did and spend the rest of your life campaigning to let fat people sit down on the subway. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, well, let's talk food because you're an expert in food and you and I share, um, you know, a kinship over food in general. What have, what have been some of your high points when it comes to just being able to, to eat what you want? There's, um, there's kind of two schools of thought on this and I, I, I like to think I go straight down the center, but I kind of err on the side of, uh, I get to do what I want. But a lot of people are like, you know, you should be more aware of what you eat when you're pregnant, you know, because all of your baby's habits food-wise develop, you know, in the womb, and you want them to kind of learn to eat things that are good for them, and you want them to be healthy. And so earlier on, I was kind of more in that school just because, you know, we had some complications, which we can also talk about if you want. But I was kind of doing everything that I could in my control to kind of make things as healthy as possible. And now, you know, I don't know. I just like I eat a lot of desserts are awesome. Like, I feel like desserts 
taste better whilst pregnant. Whilst. Well done. Like sugar is more, I don't know what it is, but it's, it's so good. Now, like good sugar, bad sugar, like a dark chocolate bar or like a like little, cookies, little like Debbie's? Cookies. Obsessed with chocolate chip cookies. Anything chocolate and anything peanut butter. Mm. I realized that the only times that I had like going back to the moodiness factor, like true breakdowns of like tears were about food. I don't know if that is a good thing or a bad thing, <laughs> but like I think throughout the whole span of the entire pregnancy, the only time that I really kind of lost it and and cried uh, was was about food. And I think you were there for one of those instances, the, the salted eggs incident. Oh man, <laughs> that that was a good one. I was I was hoping it wasn't me acting out in uh, Saint Martin at the pizza restaurant. Because that also no. that could have made you cry. That made me cry probably someplace deep inside. <laughs> yeah. So I apologize yeah. for my behavior there. It means there. a lot. It's, it's it's an important thing, and and if it's, it's it's messed up, you know, it kind of ruins your whole night. And I kind of feel like when you're pregnant, you don't have alcohol. You don't have, you know, there's all these things you can't do. But you have food, you know, and so if, like, the food doesn't work out well for you that day, like, well, what do you have? You know, you might as well go to bed. I completely agree with you. I think it's, like, a control thing, too, right? It's, it's like, meeting expectations. Like, you have it, you, you get in your mind, and this is true, I, I guess, well, I can't say it's true pregnant or not, but you have, it's true for me when I'm hungry. It's, like, this is what I decided I want. This is how it's going to come out. This is yeah. how it's going to taste. I mean, talk about first world problems, but this is how it's going right. to taste. And then what I think probably, and you tell me, but I think when you're pregnant, it's like there might be an element of I don't feel the energy to make the problem better, like change it. Like I already put all my energy into deciding and like being excited for the way it was going to come out. And now that it didn't. Like, I don't, you know, maybe it's just like, I don't know if it's mental or not, but it's like the agility to get up and like make it better for myself. It's more like I'm fucked now. Like this is fucked right. now and it's going to be fucked until the next meal or next, the next meal, which is hours away. <laughs> hours like, away. I'm just going to go to bed. Oh man. It's well, the worst feeling. It's so sad. And it, it is really like a first world problem. But when, when you just put all your eggs in that basket. Like, you're so excited, and then you're just so disappointed. But that would be an interesting study to do, and I'm sure someone's done it, but, like, like you know, a woman in in a, uh, I, you know, not to be diminutive, but in, in a rudimentary living situation in, let's say, Africa, in a developing country, who, like, screams at her husband for making, like, yucca again that day and, like, throws <laughs> throws it on the wall of the hut or whatever, like... Is that happening, or are they just happy to, like, you know, have sustenance? I don't know. I'm sure there's got to be some mo- – there must be some hormonal moodiness that is not just a first-world thing. Um, I'm sure. Well, what about the alcohol? I was thinking – so I didn't drink the last two nights, and I was like, I'm not going to drink tonight to, to have solidarity with Meg, but now I'm drinking a giant 22-ounce homebrew because I just need- – <laughs> I needed a beer, but you're you're a woman, as I remember, who likes like a good glass, not you know, a, a decent glass of white wine when she gets home from work. Not right? even decent, just any glass of white wine, really. 
and it's just kind of, it's like your routine and that has been stripped from you and I, I mean, not only that, but what's it like to be, I don't have many friends who haven't drank for, you know, 36 and a half or 37 and a half weeks. So why would you? Why, what's that like? Well, it is, it's fine. You know, it feels good now. It's kind of like a no brainer. You know, you got this like thing growing inside you and you're like, all right, like I've had a glass of wine most days since I turned 21, like, maybe it wouldn't kill me to take nine months off, like, just aside from the baby, too, just a good cleanse. Um, and I think after I kind of, you know, the first few weeks, I really missed my glass of white wine when I got home from work, but it really, you realize it's more of a ritual, so you have this ritual of coming home and having a glass of wine and relaxing or two, and so you just kind of make other rituals. So, like, I allowed myself to buy, like, a really luxurious, you know, body oil or some sort of product that, like, kind of didn't make up for it, of course. But, you know, you kind of just, you do something else and you kind of stop thinking about it so much. And it just kind of becomes part of your life and now I'm like you know I'd be lying if I said I wasn't looking forward to a glass of wine in three weeks I'm really excited about it and do you what what's it like you know this is a question we can ask alcoholics but none of our friends have decided to stop drinking yet and and start going to AA meetings but what what's it like to be in social situations I mean we've been to a few weddings together but just in general is there a moment in the night where you just decide that's enough for me or is it annoying the whole night or what's it like to be in situations with the unpregnant? Um, it's, it's been fine. When I first found out, it was very early. It was my really good friend, Elise got married in August of last year. So it was still in kind of like the three months don't tell anyone window. Um, and I was able to pull it off for the most part, there were like one or two people who I think were on to me. But, you know, you, you get to be around your mid-30s and people are kind of like looking out for signs. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, like, why aren't you drinking? You must be pregnant. Or, and you, you, there's all these like ways around it like, oh, I'm on antibiotics. Or, oh, I'm really hungover. You know, oh, I'm driving. Um so are those, I by the way, just just to interrupt, those are not those are three reasons. Those are not three reasons to stop drinking. I've I've drank in all three of those situations. <laughs> so yeah, so so you wouldn't believe me if I said any of those. You have to be like I have cancer or like uh, I'm on chemo or I'm or I'm a recovering alcoholic. Yeah. Exactly. Like I'm, I'm clean, you know, I'm sober, I'm in the program, something like that might work. But, and then after that, we went to other weddings last year where it was, you know, I was, everyone knew that I was pregnant and then it, it wasn't so much like people were looking at me and kind of like reading the signs and it, you know, it's fine. You just, I found really delicious mocktails. I've mm. discovered shrubs. Mm, shrubs, um, yeah. Which are delicious, and I hear pretty hot right now. That's a well-timed pregnancy for, for shrubs. Um, and you go, you go to most restaurants and bars, 
these days and you just tell the bartender, you know, make me a delicious non-alcoholic beverage and they're usually more than happy to do it because they can get creative and they don't have any restrictions and they can kind of do what they want. And that's kind of fun too because you get to try all these new flavors of things. So now the baby's coming. Well, yeah. Well, not right now. <laughs> oh, I mean, I was hoping that you would have the baby while we were doing the podcast. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? I guess I just got to keep I going. I thought about that, too. But, like, what, you, you know, you're, is, is there, you were talking about how you don't want to rush it at the end, but I did speak to your lovely husband the other day, and he said he was ready for the baby to come, and we all know how much he's done during this pregnancy. Um <laughs> He also said a very sweet thing about you, which was that you're going to be such an amazing mother. Because um, I asked him if you had diapers yet, and you said you had everything organized. So yeah. So what's yeah, the like? What's the it. doomsday plan? Like prepping been around your apartment, and like what what are you ready for? And and uh, what's the situation in terms of how do you prepare for a baby to come? Like. Did you literally have one of those moments where you painted the room blue and you figured out it was a boy or what? No. So I think I went grocery shopping one day and I bought a box of cereal. And then I noticed the expiration date on the cereal was my due date. Mm. And then I kind of panicked and realized that I had to kind of start getting stuff in order. And then... You know, you just, you have to just kind of get stations, like areas in which to put the thing when it comes. So like a sleeping station, a changing station, and then like a station you can put it down in like in the living room kitchen area. So we have a playpen thing, pack and play, it's called a little sleep rocker thing changing table and a rocking chair and diapers and then you know all the like the bath the like sink bath so cute uh, the like little tiny washcloth the clothes and the clothes people really get for you you really don't have to think about that that much but I you know I, I think that's it car seat's a big one is that the hospital won't let you leave well <laughs> without a car seat so wow. you gotta put that in so Gabe did that last week and then after that was in the car it was kind of like alright well I don't really know what else to do so you kind of like hurry up and wait a little bit so you're gonna put your newborn baby in a car seat can't they like not even hold their heads up it's like an infant car seat so it's got like extra padding gotcha now, will, will you sit in the back next to it? I will, yeah. And then will you, like, tell order Gabe around like he's a chauffeur? Yeah, I will, yeah. He better have the cell phone charger in the, in the hole. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever make that mistake ever again. Um, um, yeah. Yeah, and Winnie is probably going to be up front. Oh yeah. She likes to be up front though. She she tries to get up front every every time we go for a ride. So a month before your baby is due, your dog gets ringworm. Yeah, heartworm. Heartworm. So that's cool. She was like, Hey guys, 
don't forget about me over here, drama queen. Let's do this. Attention. So, yeah, that's been interesting. How's she adjusting to her life without exercise due to her antibiotic treatment? She has anxiety, and then the pills we have her on also give her anxiety, but then there's other pills that make her sleepy. So the the main side effect we've seen after kind of tailoring back on the pills and kind of adjusting the dosage, because she's getting like eight pills a day, uh, is just like crazy ravenous hunger, and she gets these like crazy eyes, like her pupils get really big, and she'll just like stare at you. And it's not relaxing. Oh, man. Well... And then she goes to the door and lays by the door, and you don't know if she actually has to go pee or if she has to um, go outside because she's bored and wants to, like, eat garbage off the street. So we take her for, like, eight walks a day now because we're just not really sure what's going on with her. But she'll be fine. It'll be great. It'll... (laughs) It'll be a rough couple months for her. Yeah, and you, right? Yeah. Like, not in a bad way, but the, the... the, the the life that you know it will be dramatically different. Sure. Yeah. And is that exciting? Like, do you feel, do you f- already feel like the natural weight of motherhood in the sense that, like, you're basically making decisions for the good of, like, your baby versus the good of yourself? Like, is that already taking over? Well, I, I will say in your email yesterday you asked uh, what surprised you. And I was really surprised at how fast I felt like a mom, Mm. like how quickly that shift was. Because I think for guys, a lot of it is seeing the baby, holding the baby, becoming a dad, you know, when it's here. And I think for girls, it's more like you feel it. It's like, I don't know, it's you become a mom when you become pregnant. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool, yeah. Um, it's scary, but it's... So I feel like I've been a mom for a while, and so that kind of shock is over. I'm just really excited to meet him and, like, see him and hold him and just, like, what's he look like? You know, like, what's his nose going to look like? Like, what are his eyes going to look like? Like, what? Now I'm just like very excited for that moment. I think it is fundamentally unexplainable to those who aren't experiencing it, and I think that that's a really cool element of it. Like I, I am so excited for you, and I love hearing about it. But I, you have no way to trans, like transfer that feeling to me. Um, but yeah, that's... and I think that I have no idea either. I mean, like. People talk about that moment that you give birth, and they're like, oh, it's coming up. Are you ready? Blah, blah, blah. But until you're there, it's like there's no way to even, you know, to be close to ready for that. And I think you can only think that you're ready. You can only buy the diapers and and, and be like, okay, we're ready. But, like, you're never really ready. Mm. You just can naively think that you're ready. And that's the best you can do until it actually happens. And it's sort of a relief that you're never ready because it means you're ready all the time. Um, right. Yeah, that, like how much more can you do? Nothing. It's just, it's 
coming. It's like a, a train, a freight train. All right. Well, I want to ask. Sorry. I want to. I want to uh, ask you a couple of like over the line questions that sure. that you know might make us feel uncomfortable, but I think we'll both be entertaining, and I'm interested to hear the uh, answer to. Okay. How's the wind? The wind's good. It's all great. You sound great. Okay, okay uh, my back is to the wind, so it's working. So, how much do you weigh right now? Not like how much weight have you gained, but like <laughs> how much do you weigh? I weigh 163 pounds. Wow, that's not that much. I mean, it feels like a lot. It makes me it feels f- like feel someone, fat. It feels like someone just like removed your abs and replaced them with just like a, a five-pound stack of potatoes. And then you have to kind of continue your life like that. Like getting off the couch. Like there's no deep couch sitting without Gabe helping me get off the couch. Mm. Like it's all in the, in the midsection area. And it's not, you don't feel cute or sexy when you're like rolling around trying to, to just stand up. That's, no one likes to see that. Yeah, like, (laughs) what's it like to look at yourself naked? Um, That was the only thing that surprised me that I thought of. At first, it was a really hard transition for me. And I thought I'd be one of those women who just kind of naturally took to the, oh, you know, my body's changing because of this beautiful thing. It's a miracle. And, you know, and just kind of would embrace it. And it took me, it was hard. It was hard for me to look at myself getting bigger and you just don't, you feel like you're in someone else's body. You don't recognize it at all. And when you kind of adjust to it, it changes so quickly. Like it's like a matter of days. You can wear something on Tuesday and there's no way that thing is fitting on Thursday. It's just, it's just you, as soon as you get used to it, and not even just in that regard, just, Pregnancy in general is just like you get used to something and then it changes, whether it's how you feel, the weird stuff your body is doing or producing or whatever, your size, you know, how you're feeling. It's just it's like a constant, constantly shifting, evolving thing, which makes it tricky. But then, you know, then I got used to it, and now I look at myself, and I'm like, yeah, this is, you know, I like what I see, but it took me a really long time to get there. Have you looked at the Demi Moore Vanity Fair cover since you've been yeah. pregnant? Yeah. Nice. He actually mentioned that yesterday. He was like, we should take that Demi Moore picture. I was like, yeah, if I look like Demi Moore, sure. Um. But I, I feel really good. I think I've been really lucky. I've heard a lot of really, like, horrible stories about women who just feel really awful being pregnant. And so I'm grateful for that, grateful for a lot of things. So I can't really complain. Um, another one. I've got two more, you know, sensitivo questions. Okay. For all the men out there who are, like, interested to know, like, do they have sex when when their wife is pregnant or their their baby mama or whoever it is the girl that they knocked up? Um, yeah. 
and and then and ex- and how long in like through the pregnancy do they have sex? Can you shed any light on that? Do do I have sex though? No, well yeah, I mean do you still have sex or like just like put it put it through your husband like it to make to to make it easier to describe like <laughs> like what's your husband's like is your husband or is is any man surprised how much sex they get to have as their wife is pregnant and how long like how late in the pregnancy like is there a moment in the pregnancy where it's like there's no more sex that's going to happen like how does that work out if you were indicative of every woman on the planet right okay um i think sex is really important so yeah you do still get to have sex for sure it's just a matter of if you want if you want to <laughs> Because, uh, you know, things are different and you're, you know, the girl is bigger and there, there's different positions you have to kind of assume that, you know, because other ones don't work anymore. Um, I saw this photo the other day of, um, it said it was like third trimester sex and it was a photo of a really fat cat sitting on another cat. And... <laughs> And it made me laugh so hard because that's how I feel. <laughs> that's not sexy, but, well, you know, you make it work. And, and I think it's actually, you know, they say it's good, you know, to keep having sex, to, like, keep things open and moving. And towards the end, it kind of helps things along. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, if you want to, by all means. And I mean, it goes to show at the risk of sounding super insensitive, and I think I've done a great job of not doing that this podcast, yeah. but but like it goes to show you in the best way that a man really will have sex with anything, you know? <laughs> it's like, it's not like we practice what we preach. Um, yeah. Yeah. And when the lights are off, you know, who cares? Well, who, I'm sure. Do I'm, what you got to do. So then the last question, which is like, I don't really know how to ask this without sounding like an idiot, but like, so my understanding would be that like from a woman's point of view, from the age of puberty, that like her like vagina and her private area is like her most like sensitive and protected area of her entire body, her entire Mm -hmm. life. And like, even if you look at like popular contemporary culture, like toplessness is definitely like more accepted than like completely nude. And, you know, just in general, like that's the area of a woman's body that is, you know, hopefully the last place that's ever like exposed to the world. Um, Right. Not in terms of them being like prudish, but just rather that it's, it's the most sensitive area. It's the most private area. Like, you're going to have a moment in the next few weeks where, like, you have a human being coming out of that area. Right. And you have to, like, open that area up to a lot of people who are, like, going to be, like, helping you with something that you really don't know how to do yourself. So, like, right. what, like, talk, like, what does that mean? It's like, it, like, what is that like to think about? Is it weird? It's weird. And it's, if you let your mind think about it too much about, you know, doing the math of how this thing exits your body it's it's not you're not going to end up in a good place mentally so it's, it's best to just trust your body know that we've been doing this since the beginning of time it's probably going to suck and hurt but 
it's something that, you know, I'm certainly not the first woman to have done this. Everyone, you know, does this and it's, it's just part of life and it's just how you get from A to B and, you know, there's certain things you can do to try to kind of help things along and make things more ready, hopefully, but really at the end of the day, like, you kind of just have to figure out <laughs> what you're comfortable with. And, I mean, here, here's the thing is, is whatever plan you have, and everyone's like, oh, birth plan, birth plan. Like, you, you can have a plan going into it, but it's not going to happen. Things are, things are going to happen. You're going to barf. You're going to poop. You're going to, you know, all these awful things are going to happen. And, I think as long as you go into it knowing that, you're not going to be surprised. And apparently, I hear you don't even care. You just, you have the baby in your arms. And so, that is what you care about in that moment. This is getting to that point. It's going to be awesome, Meg. You're gonna... And I'm just focusing on that. I'm trying not to think about all the stuff that comes before, but... You're going to do great. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, I told you to think of a question to ask me. So what do you got? Um, so what are your thoughts on, um, circumcision? All right. Well, I'm an un... Being a man. So I, I haven't, so there's all these decisions you have to make and, you know, you have to make a list of cord blood and you know if you want to think whatever placenta pills or whatever that stuff is but then you know the circumcision thing is another decision that kind of just handed that to Gabe since he's the one with the penis but what are your thoughts on that? Great question and I'll give you the full answer um, okay. I first of all I'm not circumcised which you probably know no um, I didn't know that I'm not circumcised and your husband was one of many high school boys who made fun of me for that now we went to oh. such a like, you know, like such a liberal New Hampshire excuse for a high school that we never even got to shower with each other after the big game. They just somehow knew oh. from all of us like having brainiac conversations with each other. But um, I will say this, um, as I always said, like I I don't know it any other way. Um I will, I'll give you my personal view, which I guess is the best one, and then you, we can talk about sort of the political stuff, too. Um, okay. I don't know it any other way. It has no infringement on any of my activities, like, throughout my, you know, career of having an adult penis. Um, <laughs> so, like, I've never had someone say, you. Um, the only people who have said, you, are, like, idiot buddies that were drinking Bud Light with me um and I you like told them or showed them I didn't know I didn't show them (laughs) but somehow it just got around because you start talking about that as like a 15 year old 16 year old and then you start you know everyone kind of stakes their claim and defends their position um really so people are that passionate about it I mean, as 15-year-old boys. Well, yeah, it's interesting. There seems to be, like, a hot button moment around high school, at least in in our time on Earth. I don't know if that's going away. But then it really sort of, 
it goes away. And then there's a moment too. It's like everything that's was once not cool becomes cool. Like there's a moment where, you know, you're in college and you're like drinking wine at a dinner party. And like some girl thinks she says she likes uncircumcised penises better. And then you really like the tables have really turned on all your friends and you have to like run to the bathroom and text them from your flip phone. But, um, but I think here, here are some negatives that no teenager boys know. It's okay. it, the potential for like a dirty penis, like as a boy, like a young boy is way greater. So if you just think about it, I mean, let's get into it here. You've got like a flap of skin over the head of your penis. So you have a whole area that doesn't like get cleaned as much. Unless yeah. you're like now, of course, I'm great at cleaning my uncircumcised penis in the shower. But like when I was 10, I probably didn't even like being in the shower in general. Um, Would you have to clean it differently? Well, you have to, I mean, you know, turn this off if you don't want to hear. But you have to pull back the skin and clean the head of your penis. And, and oh, you're, so it's like an actual flap. It's not like a flap. It's like a hood. It's like, it's like just ex- like... You know, after the podcast, make Gabe pull down his pants and then you just like extend the like skin of his penis that's below his hood all the way down to the tip. And but then like have I mean, I'll draw you a picture if you need it to me to and text it to you. But like then you have just a tiny little. Well, I mean, I don't know. Google it. There's all kinds of different uncircumcised penises. But basically, it's like a turtleneck. That's what it's like. Okay, that like a hood. It's like a hood that doesn't, but it's not like a sweatshirt hood that comes up on one side. It's like a turtleneck that comes out equal, uh, comes up equally on all sides together. Got it and, straight up. So okay. you have to pull it back like you're, uh, you know, I'm trying to think. There's probably some machine parts that we could compare it to, but like you're pulling back a spring to like load something and then let it go back up. Um, Got it. So it gets dirty. So you get, like, honestly, as a kid, I would end up getting, like, impetigo, and I think it probably had to do with me touching my dirty penis and then, like, touching my nose and my eyes. Right. So that's a concern. And then the other concern, and this is a more modern concern, is that your ability to give women yeast infections increases. Interesting. I didn't know that. Because your uncircumcised penis is, like, a breeding ground for moisture that's what's going on you have like a warm moist penis head (laughs) this this podcast is great (laughs) this this is so good so this is like my favorite combination of words ever (laughs) oh i'm sorry i forgot (laughs) so now on the upside which i know you're not necessarily going to be like the biggest strategic advocate for your son but Apparently, the penis head is more sensitive if you're uncircumcised, so, like, sex could potentially be more pleasurable. Um, And whatever happens in the birthing room, which is really why you asked this question, I have no recollection of, so I can't tell you. Um, I have been to one bris, and it's, like, kind of a weird thing. It was, like, a real... Jewish bris run by Israelis on the Upper West Side when I worked for one before I left New York and like everyone's eating bagels and lox while the moil is like cutting off the skin of this baby's penis in the corner. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like it's a little weird. Um yeah. but no, I mean there's no major downsides. Um and I guess what are the upsides of of being circumcised? I the opposite end of everything I said. I it's got to be weird to, like, injure your son. 
like right right i mean i know they don't know about it but i know that like my one of my nephews like had some complications from his circumcision oh and he was a baby he was like he was circumcised and it was but it's like maybe it didn't go through all the way the first time and they had to do it again and he was just wailing, and so it was like, Ugh. it's like he'll never remember, but like his parents were like, you know, like standing there watching their kid's penis get like hacked up, and he's screaming and screaming and screaming, and they just met him, and it's like, oh my god, like what's going on here, you know? That's terrible. Wow. So which way are you leaning after that in-depth analysis? Well, it's, I think Gabe is leaning towards yes, because but again, I've kind of left it in his court. Well, um, I'll tell you, he, I, I'll just say my dad's not circumcised. So pretty much I think the end all be all is what happened to your dad. Yeah, that makes sense. But, you know, I don't know. I mean, I you don't know. You also don't want to mess too much with the, you know, the baby. Like, you want him to make his own decisions. But maybe that's not a decision that he, he's ever going to be mad at me for making for him. And he's never going to make. Like, he'll... <laughs> No kid would ever, well, this is probably not true, but I cannot imagine being 10 years old, sitting down with my parents, getting the circumcision act read to me, and then, like, deciding that I was going to go cut off the skin of my penis. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's, it's your decision, but once you make it, nothing will change moving forward. So, yeah, I don't think it really matters. Um, I wouldn't get too caught up in it. And I would just get it done at the hospital, probably, right? I mean, you're gonna have like yeah. A... I think that's the easiest. If you're gonna do it, you should just do it the day that he's born. Get it done. All right. Well, I think that pretty much wraps it up. This has been a tremendous time for me. I hope it was for you. Well, um, I had such a good time, Alex. I don't think I talked about pregnancy this much with Gabe even. So well, this it's was really really enjoyable. Thank you for having me. We had to get this, you know moment in time recorded because the next time that we podcast you're gonna have to be complaining about how your kids shit all over your house so yeah (laughs) so it's like really exciting you're gonna do awesome uh you know i have no advice that is in any way warranted but i will just tell you to be yourself because i'm sure it'll all come out well and and um i'm excited to see you as a mom with your baby and with gabe's baby and and, oh, last thing I wanted to say, I don't want you to tell us, because I'm sure you guys have done this, what you're going to name your son. But how about if you give us three finalists, and then we'll get to know later on what the name was. Oh, three fi- – well, we have a name. But don't tell me. I don't want to know. Okay. But can you – did you have, like, three names that you decided on, or is that not how it worked? Um – well, now I can't think of the other two. Well, give me a hint. Like, is it biblical? Like, is it from, like, did you find it on a brunch menu? Like, what's No, it... it's just, it's just, it's always kind of been in my head. It's a classic, single syllable, not too traditional name. Okay, I have, I have a guess. Okay. But I'm not going to tell you. Okay. This is riveting. I'm right? not going to tell you either. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much. The sun has gone down. It's time to go inside. I've roasted some chicken legs with turnips, carrots, and onions for dinner. 
was going to ask you what the carrots were for. That sounds delicious. Just put it all together in the cast iron with a little salt, capers, olive oil, and then like a little quick Dijon dressing that I made. Dijon, oh lemon juice, a little maple syrup. Um, Your lucky wife. I know. I'm trying. We're getting this cool CSA delivered to our house every week and trying to cook local, and it's, it's pretty good. And then maybe make a simple salad, and um, we're going to watch episode six of Vinyl. So, um, nice. Do you like it? I think it's okay. It's entertaining. I mean, there's toplessness, and there's a bunch of cocaine. It's hard not to be entertained. What else could you want? Exactly. So. Well, give Anna my love. I will. Give Gabe my love. Thank you so much for doing this, and uh, listeners... I'm glad you were here because this was an excellent podcast. So <laughs> goodbye, May. Goodbye, Alex. Thank Ta- you. Talk to you soon. Good luck. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Bye. I think that baby's going to be called Ted. Anyone else? If you have an idea, email us. Landlinepodcast at Gmail. Call Landline 617-744-1895. Listen to other shows. Landline. Well, that, we don't have, actually, landlinepodcast.com. Someone else bought that. Don't go there. Go to talkforaliving.com. Go to soundcloud.com slash landlinepodcast. Find us on iTunes, Landline Podcast. Be a guest. Suggest a guest. Tell a friend about the show. Thanks for listening, guys. That was awesome. <laughs>